so let's first of all we should definitely do a series of this um to get this stuff out i really like this a lot and maybe next time i'll actually have some libations myself other than coffee but before i'm drinking coffee and water because i gotta drive home kalua i think i I moved to whiskey oh boy Hello, everyone, and welcome to uh, part two of the OG West Coast uh, panel. Um, I know I mentioned previously that I don't really care about how long episodes go and that they will go as long as I have to, but um, due to the amount of editing that was needed for uh, the 3.45 hours that uh, we recorded that night, um, I did have to actually chop it off, um, and uh, I'm sorry about that. I'm definitely not trying to build up hype, but... Um, that's just what what happened. So in this uh, segment, we're going to pick up where we left off. And um, yeah, we'll just see how it goes. So uh, here we go. Before we deter from 2005 to 2007, Serge, was there anything that you wanted to, to throw into the mix? Uh, because I would look to you for helping bring the California invasion to Arizona because of that faithful day when you guys came down to play mm-hmm. and the... Dodgeball Tour Stop 2006 at 6.19? No, I mean, I would say that at the end of the day, it was the first NDL tournament that provided the framework for us to experience what competitive dodgeball is on a national scale, and that's, of course, where we met you guys. And then we did that Tour Stop, which I think was in... It wasn't in Phoenix. It was in Tucson, right? Tucson, Blade World. Yeah, it was Blade World. So we went down there. We got a chance to reconvene with you guys and touch base and play, and that was a great tournament. I think there were, must have been over 10 teams there, and all of them pretty pretty competitive. And and so that was the essential link that I think was established between San Diego and Arizona. Um, of course, you know, we would find out later about the um, Grand Canyon State Games, and we would continue to maintain a relationship by meeting up at the um, national championships, the NDL national championships. And so we just all kind of knew we had something in common and, you know, established that relationship. And so we would make the drive down there twice a year to play with you guys because other than the NDL, it was the most competitive tournament for us to play in during the year. I agree. That was... uh... I don't know. I maybe it's just me, but sometimes I forget that when I see you guys, and uh, I, I realized this when I was talking to Tim. I was like, and I've said this in, in previous episodes, episodes too. Is like, Jesus Christ, I've been this guy for like twelve years. Like, this is crazy. Because um, I just sometimes overlook or gloss over the history, and um, it takes a, a couple of memories to to think about. Like, man, I've I've known Sir since like two thousand six. Um, again, I remember Kelly calling Jackie Littlefoot sometimes. It's just like it's insane. Oh, she's Littlefoot. Yep. She's have a tiny foot. I was Sarah. She's Littlefoot. She's a very small person. Um, all right. Well, let's. Um, I do miss Jackie a lot. Oh, I miss Jackie all the time. Facebook. I miss her trash talking. <laughs> she was always the very first one to be like. Headshots are legal, right? Like, <laughs> correct. So uh, clearly, there is so much that we can we can cover. I feel like we've barely even scratched the surface. And if we can kind of step aside and look at the timeline, I think we've gotten to a pretty good point of like 2009, roughly. 
2010 to 2012 is definitely its own episode. And I do want to just kind of pause now and continue that later because we can definitely go into that. I don't want to rush it. But there are a ton of crowdsource questions. So uh, if you guys are cool with it, let's just go ahead and kind of push pause on the timeline and, and address these. And the first one um, coming at you, Serge, with is from Felix Peroni. And he asked, uh, what was your aha moment in which uh, you knew dodgeball would be bigger than pickup games? Which I guess in your case would have been in cahoots bar tournaments, right? Um, no, I guess I would consider those pickup games because we would show up every weekend. It was still very much a social event. It was uh, something that we would approach with sort of a social state of mind. Uh, and so not until we heard about the first NDL, we, when we saw the flyer in the bar, which was in 2005, and went to the tournament in Vegas, which was advertised as a 20K tournament to the winning team, and seeing so many teams from across the country, most of which were you know professionally dressed in matching uniforms. At least back then. And, did I did I uh, realize that it was okay? This this could potentially be something bigger, and so we came back to San Diego and decided to take it more seriously. Begin things like practicing on the weekends and and approaching the Inca Hoot scene with a higher level of seriousness. So that was the aha moment for me: is seeing it on a national scope and and knowing that there are other people doing the same thing elsewhere and meeting in one place to compete for a lot of money. Yeah, that's, uh, I mean, that, that's uh, as far back as you can probably get, right? Like, I mean, the first Dodgeball World Championship Convention with the National Dodgeball League, 2005, uh, that's, if ever there was an aha moment for, for somebody, I, I would agree with you, I think that's the one. And um, that flyer was very well put together. Um, yeah. I have an image of it saved somewhere on one of my computers. I need to post oh, it on here. Share it. Yeah, can you share that, please? <laughs> Remind me. Um, I'll, I'll dig it up. Uh, how about you, Joe? What was? Whoops, I pulled up something here. What was your aha moment when you realized that dodgeball could be bigger than maybe not pickup games, but when you came in? Like, did you see a bigger version of dodgeball versus what you were exposed to at the time? Uh, you know, I'm glad I'm glad you asked that question because I've been waiting for a while to to answer that and include uh, AGP because unlike my former teammates um, Justin Payan and it is Payan, not Payan, um, and Eric, um, I was also on AGP when it originally started, and that was my first year in NDL. Um, but that was my first experience of aha, this is awesome. Um, I thought it was the pinnacle of dodgeball at that time in 2000 and um, I think it was seven, 2007. We came in, AGP came in fourth place. We beat the Alaskan team. Uh, no, we didn't beat the Alaskan team. We didn't play the Alaskan you team. You didn't beat them. No, but we did. You got beat, a concussion from them. But we, our last game that we won was against Seabass and Random Man. And I had caught two stingers at the time. And that was the pinnacle of, wow, I think this is a great game. I, I automatically thought it was great when I first went to In Cahoots, but this was probably what put me over the top to the wheels fall off. I'm playing until I can play no longer. Um, and it was probably in 2007 um, NDL uh, AGP. 
how funny is it that like 11 years ago you thought it doesn't get any better than this <laughs> i know i know and look how much look how much is it, it's expanded since then and i you know and that's why one of the reasons why i i agreed or at least you know put out this this podcast uh conception of og dodgeball because i i think some people some of the younger crowds forget where dodgeball came from you know we came from playing in in, bars. Uh, in bars and you know playing in uh, outdoor tennis courts to to something where you know the balls are being washed in washing machines and professionally done to make sure that they're ready for for game one of of uh of, of a dodgeball tournament for sure definitely um kelly how about you what was your aha moment in which you felt dodgeball could be bigger than what it was in your current state um i think that would actually have to be my first ndl uh, honestly i was playing in, in cahoots played a lot of bars um but for me up until that point it was about drinking it was about having fun. There really was no political parts behind it. Uh, and I was 21 years old. I was having fun. I was meeting people. And then in Coots, or then NDL came around. And somebody invited me. And they were like, oh, yeah, we want to you know, go and play competitively. And it's stingers, by the way. you know. So that was totally different. They threw that in. But luckily, I had played softball for a very long time in my career. And so growing up, I'd always played softball. So stingers were no big deal. There was something fun. It was something exciting. Um, and that was kind of my first leeway into dodgeball and seeing that there were other people and there was other states and there was other groups that were interested in playing this sport. And there were women that were significantly um, kind of indebted into the sport where we, we were all about it. We were kind of looking at where was the future of this and how can I get more involved? And it wasn't always pretty, but, but that was the beginning of it. And it was kind of beautiful in that sense. Gotcha. And when was your first NDL? You said it was 2007? Is that right? Yeah. Because you play AGP, right? Yep. Yeah. So 2007, he was playing AGP, Joe, and I was playing on SoCal Connect. SoCal Connect. And it was actually Jim Tim. It was it had, uh, Justin, Corey. Justin Bernie. Little Jay. Yeah. Little Jay. And Amy. So most of you don't know Amy. Yeah. But she was awesome. She was a baby. I, I absolutely love Amy. And, um... So that was our team at that time. And that was the very first time I'd ever played with Stingers. And I just remember thinking, this is the game to go and play because women who played softball could easily transition into Stinger. And so whether it was being thrown at, we were used to it. That was the kind of throw that you got thrown at. You could block it. You could catch it. That was what you were used to. And you could also throw that size ball. So... It was a lot of fun. It was exciting. And I just remember being very, very excited by being at NDL that year. Awesome. Mark, this might be uh, 
kind of a twofold question for you. Um, what was your aha moment in which you knew dodgeball could be bigger than the pickup games or the league or the tournaments that you had been exposed to at the time? Well, it's going to be a little controversial because <laughs> my first year at India was 2010. And while that was like a like an aha moment of like, oh, wow, there's like a lot of people and it's nationwide, I, I walked in and there was two by fours and trash cans. The nets were stapled to the two by fours. Yep. And yeah. it looked shoddy. It, I'll say it. It was shoddy. And the moment, the aha moment came for me, not 2010, but in 2011. After my second NDL, I went to the Dodgeball Nation 10K. And when we showed up, not only was this was Dan's first tournament, but he was he live streamed it. The courts were professional. The teams all had their own jerseys. Everything about it was spectacular. And then talking to him, uh, him explaining that, like, oh, yeah, every, every bit of the money that came in is going into the prize package. And it was like, so this isn't even for himself. This was for the sport itself. That's when I said – this is what the sport needs. God, I hope there is someone in America who will do this. And I said, wait, like this just requires someone to just like put it on the line and make it happen. So my aha moment was the Dodgeball Nation 10K because it was so well run. And so well done. I mean, we had the scores and everything on televisions all around. Like I said, it was live streamed. And it was one of those moments where it was like, this is the way it should be. Uh, I, I hated the rules. I hated the Nerf ball. Uh, but it ne this, was a, this was something that said, like, if you take this and you, and you string it along through a course of a year – that's what makes the sport special. That's awesome. And that's also part of why we're, we're going to break this into, into parts because I, I think you're kind of alluding to the precursors of elite dodgeball. You mentioned ten, uh, dodgeball nation. Uh, I'm curious to see who actually would remember that. Um, you said shoddy though. And I, I wanted to, to make this comment because I agree. You, you look at the premier world uh, dodgeball championship and event of uh, the best of the best, right? And you see, two by fours, trash cans, sandbags, this like crappily thrown together barrier system. And what, what dawned on me was I filmed, uh, I think it was a 2007 championship between rise and triple a, uh, yes. just because we got knocked out and, um, I'm filming that. And I put that thing on YouTube for you guys. And some complete stranger said, this is the dodgeball world championships. And I was like, wow, that's, that hurts. Wait, um, did you say the rampage one? No, no. no. The, uh, yeah, this was 2000. Triple A versus Rise. Yeah. It was 2008. Was it 2008? Yeah. yeah. 
Thank you, I stand corrected. Yeah, so 2008, I put that on YouTube for you guys, and then some random stranger makes that comment, and I was like, man, that guy has a point. Like, that that hit me in a, in a weird way because, like, I wasn't the one playing. I was just filming. And for an outsider to somehow come onto YouTube and, and come across the Dodgeball World Championships, and they see this, like, shoddy-looking setup, it's just like, that, it needs to be done better. Um well, it was strange, right? You showed up and you saw, like, the kind of, like, beginning of that family that we've all created where you have people from all across the nation. They're all wearing jerseys, and you're like, there's something familiar and amazing about this. And you're like, this is what the community is, but the setting was all wrong. It's like the wrong stage. Exactly. Yep. I can't wait to get into that more. Um, but let's go ahead and move on to the next question. And uh, this comes from Sergio Leone. And huge props to this guy. He's always giving me feedback and, and comments and correcting me. And, and like the first one or two people that throws up questions. So appreciate that, Sergio, if you're listening. A lot of great feedback. Um, and that was, we might have, I might be able to skip this one, but it's like the biggest difference between tournaments in the past versus how they're run now. Uh, he's asking, was it double eliminations back in the day or single? Um, man, there was a lot of terms I've been to that were single, and they were just terribly run. Um, Serge, you want to take a just like your crappiest tournament that you've ever well, been no. to? Wait, this is literally oh. Serge's crack. Asking yeah, me if it's double elimination. <laughs> <laughs> Why? I had a hard time when he first got started. I would just make sure that it would be double elimination every single time. <laughs> Mark, Mark's right freaking right. out right now. I just want to double check with you to make sure it's double elimination, right? <laughs> I have never done a single elimination tournament. That's like I, and I stopped asking you after a few years. Yeah, and after now I'm that, After we developed that confidence and trust. <laughs> now, would that just be sacrilegious to ever have to resort to a single elimination tournament? I think the NDL transitioned to single elimination towards... towards Do you want to know? Like, single Maybe. elimination would make everything better. Uh, Ooh. Well, from what perspective? From the excitement of upsets. Yeah, you've been you've been pushing that idea for a while. I haven't uh, pushed it. I think that there's an argument that can be made that, like, instead of doing a two out of three, mm-hmm. where, like, you know, the reason we do a two out of three is like because we want to have something complete, and it's you know two to one, but. If uh, and there's a chance that like refs could fuck up two games again. Sorry, Damon. I know you're gonna have to. Oh, that no out. point at this point. But uh, if you did something like a three out of five, or like a six out of ten, or six out of ten, whoa, whoa, whoa. Did a single I be, elimination. I would be a little or like, more you know, ten minutes. If you, yeah, if you did like a six out of ten, that it like there's no way. I'm okay with that. That a fluke happens six games out of ten. I'm okay with that. And so that way, like, you could have a single elimination tournament. If you think about the six out of a ten, you're really getting a triple elimination in terms of the number of games. Yeah. True. Um, So, like, let 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 me make this pitch. And it provides a narrative. It provides a narrative for each individual match because six out of ten 
you have you have a storyline. You have more more. You know, you have ju a juicier story. You know, there's a there's a comeback. There's the and then if happen. you have Rise versus Doom, a six out of ten will take two hours. Oh, true, very true. And That's also, too like, long of a story. Even number. Wait, but would you do best out of five or best out of seven? It's all debatable. No one does even numbers. I I think I would I would do like a precedent, Joe. Precedent. I would do like a four out of six. Because because four best out, out best out of three puts a lot of pressure if you lose the first game. Correct. I feel like best out of five gives you a little wiggle room to come fun. back to come back and win. Best out of seven means too much, I think. I think what it should be like a double elimination's worth. So like four out of six. Silence. That's two best out of threes, you mean, right? Yeah. Okay. That's yeah. better than, than best out of six. Yeah. Because there's no such thing as best out of six. Yeah, no, I hear you. So it would be seven. Yeah. Four out of seven. But... But there's a different element between best out of seven and two best out of six. Correct. You it might can all be debated. I, I, anyways, next question. Yeah, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> what have you done, Sergio? Uh, this one is, I think, for Kelly, and that was, how has the women's talent pool back then in, compar in comparison to now? Okay, I think he kind of worded that weird. Um, let's, let me uh, restart that. Um, how has the women's talent pool back then in comparison to now, and how can we help elevate the involvement of women in the game so there is a women's division in each region? I absolutely love that question. And I feel like there isn't a lot that has changed from when we first started dodgeball and what women were expected to do and to what it is today. And... I think that that especially involves co-ed. Um, the first person asked me to play, although the first person asked me to come and watch was a woman, the first person asked me to play was a man. The first person asked me on a team was a man. The first three people to probably ask me to continue on a team was a man. And whether or not that changes or not doesn't matter necessarily as I think that if co-ed is not a very important part of a region, you will not see a very strong women's division. Hmm. And I think that in areas that that's trying to grow and that's trying to build, you, you will see more and more women's teams building as well. We have, obviously the West is very strong, the East is growing, but uh, in the north especially it's not that I hate pinch pinch is whatever it is it's pinch it's great it's fine it does its own thing I think it is a detriment though in elite to women's and that's my own opinion but it's because of time and so if you're taking that time to do pinch versus co-ed you are not growing that women's pool I personally have seen that most women who have become competitive have been built into competitive dodgeball due to co-ed. And so if you can't grow that co-ed spirit, that co-ed league, you're not going to have a very strong women's league on top of it. Um, and that's 
unfortunately a part of it. I don't know why, but that's what we saw in the West. That's what we've seen in the East. That's what we've seen in the South. And I'm hoping that we can get more and more women involved across so that we can have more co-ed across each region. Um, but it is a weird, a weird thing where if, if co-ed isn't very strong in a certain area, you don't see as many women playing. Yeah, I think, so, I think it's a, a parallel. That's interesting. I'll, I'll chime in because there's there's a weird. We we had a unique experience this year because at the end of last year, after Boston, Marie from the South made a post about whatever you need to make women happen in the South. Let's make it happen. And so at the time, what do we have? We have women's in the West. We have women's in the East. The women's in the East was shaky at best. Because um, we had we had co-ed, but we didn't have, like, true women's in the East. And so the South was begging for it. And the problem, the South has always been the shakiest region because there's still – the South now is what the West was in 2011, where everybody's just trying to figure out what team they belong on, who they fit with, even gameplay style, they're getting there. Um, and that can be something that we get into another podcast in terms of like play levels. Um, women's and the North is non-existent because we have, we have Tanya, we have Ashley, we have Kat, three fantastic women's players that could belong anywhere. Outside of those, and, 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 and Sam from Ohio, there's a lack of, of, of women in the North. And so what happens is, we have women from the West traveling to the North to play. And then we have the crossing of, of players. And then sometimes those, those West women were on, or sorry, the North women were on uh, West coast teams. So when we got the South started, we had to make, we had to try and make it specifically like for South women, please don't like, we didn't want West women to come and, and smash something that we're just starting to grow. Right. And, and same with the East where we were like, just please respect the East so that they can get started. And so East got started and we got like six strong teams. And the South, like God love them, they, they really pulled everybody up from the rec leagues from New Orleans and Dallas and, and San Antonio. And, and that's gotten better. Um, I truly want to see North form a full women's league. We got the we got the North round three women started. We've got like I think we have like four teams of four v four, and and I said hell or high water. Like even if we have two teams, I'll make sure we have a women's division. Uh, I want to see women's grow for sure, and this will be controversial. <laughs> saying it right now but if co-ed needs to happen at the 
cost of pinch needs to happen. Wow. Um, Joe, looked like you wanted to say something. Chime in. Yeah, I just want to add to that. Um, you know, so my experience, my own experience through the years um, in the COA division, because it is a new division um, from when I first experienced dodgeball, and I wasn't really sure how it was going to happen and how it would affect the team. And the team that I was on at that moment was, was Rise. Um, and... You know, over the years, what I did what I did acknowledge was the girls have the most impact on a co-ed team than any other division that I, I've ever played on. So I played on Rise, I played on um, an Echo, and in both of those scenarios, um, I feel like we've always had the best girls, which made a difference because I feel like any co-ed team can come up with the four best male players on a team, but I think it's the two female players who make the true difference um, on a team, you know, and, and, and that's real life because if you look at Echo's uh, timeline, we've won uh, three national championships in Elite since uh, our beginning of, in 2014. With Kate Gong, um, we've had um, we've Nicole had Jason. Nicole Jason. We've had um, Kelly came in for a year and played with us. Um, so we had S- Stephanie Baxter, who, by the way, this year um, was our true champion in the nationals because she shagged literally every single ball that made our team win both divisions and co-ed. So I, I really think that co-ed is it's, its own dynamic in a way in dodgeball and the way it separates true champions from great teams is who the women are on your team and how you use them. So that's my biggest takeaway from not only this year, but from, from past years. I would echo everything Joe has said. I mean, our team as well has won three championships in co-ed, and I, 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 I just don't see us having done any of that without the women. They have bailed us out so many times, and and strategically, it's just they're so important in working into the system. And so I'm on board. I think, I mean, it's just, it's a super, super important division. It has its own dynamic, as Joe mentioned. So there's a bit of a consensus then that what Kelly was saying, if we want to see women's grow, emphasize co-ed more. Kelly? Yeah, and on top of that, I think that, you know, I, I take for granted sometimes that I am a very strong personality, and so whatever team I play on, I kind of expect to be listened to in a sense or, like, yeah, understood. Um, but that's not always the case. And I think that in women's for co-ed, we need to understand a dynamic that there are different women that will expect different positions on each team. And we need to kind of understand that. We need to celebrate that. We need to, you know, celebrate that in a way that makes it okay. Um, You know, I've always been a woman who 
has been totally fine being a catcher and, you know, being part of that part of the team. And that's because that's where I thrive. I'm a great catcher. Awesome. Okay. There are women out there that are great throwers in 8.5, and that's where they need to be celebrated. And it shouldn't be that women are one or the other, and we need to understand that within co-ed. And I think that that's kind of where we're going in that sense, and where we need to celebrate the spirit of the different genders within dodgeball. And I think the great thing about dodgeball is we have that opportunity right now. It's not a sport that's already been decided upon. It's a sport that is still growing and we can make those decisions right now. And if we don't, they will be made for us. And so that's why I definitely celebrate and I will always back the equal co-ed. So where it's three girls, three guys, four girls, four guys, whatever it is. Because I know there's enough women out there to equally represent the men that are on the court. We just need to actually bring them into dodgeball. And that may be a hard point in some areas, but I know we can do it. I absolutely know we can. So it gets to that point where there's no excuses to be made anymore. We just have to do what we know we can do. Nice. Yeah, to, to sum up my my input, I, I definitely agree. I think dodgeball has something truly unique in co-ed in which it doesn't matter what gender you are, you have as equally a, a, an important role. And uh, to echo what Serge was saying and Joe, it's like if you look at the best co-ed teams out there, look at their female players. Like they, They're the ones that are making those clutch catches. They're the ones that are blocking. They're the ones that have, are throwing. And they're just, um, I think they make or break a solid team. I would love to see a three-on-three co-ed. Um, don't know what kind of worms or can of worms I'll open up with that comment, but I'll just leave it at that because um, I know that's probably something that will be up for discuss- discussion or debate in future threads and episodes. But um, Just but- give us time, Mark, so we can make preparations on our teams. <laughs> yeah, just a nice <laughs> <minus>. <laughs> I don't uh, want to about dodgeball no, right now. <laughs> no brain power uh, on changing Elite just yet. But... Um, want to go to uh, another question of Sergio's and that was what was the moment each of you fell in love with the game so we talked about like that moment when you realized it, there could be so much more than that current state that you were in but what when did you truly fall in love with dodgeball this is one of my favorite questions to ask people so Serge oh, wow. you can I'll you're, go you're I'll first. go I'll go second let me think about this one Joe I'll go first okay can Joe I, you're up yeah, like like I mentioned earlier in the interview I think my uh moment I fell in love with dodgeball was the moment that my um, longtime friend Jim McMasters said, hey, let's go to In Cahoots and play dodgeball. And I immediately fell in love with the game because it was the next best thing to watching Sunday football or the Red Sox play. Um, It was, I actually got to play dodgeball and throw balls at people on a Sunday night for $2, you call it, and goats. That was my defining moment of when I loved dodgeball, and that hasn't changed um, in 12 years. Awesome. Sarah, you're up, or do you need more time? Uh, well, I mean, I guess my answer is going to be very similar to Joe's. Um, 
I've always been a very competitive person growing up in all of the sports I've played, soccer, hockey. And, and um, you know, there comes a point in time where when, you know, the sports, if you don't, like, take the pro route, it just they just kind of, you know, take a back seat or, you know, maybe you continue doing the sports in a, in a social setting. And so going to Inca Hoots and finding dodgeball and then finding out about more competitive tournaments where teams would meet up from across the country. That, I guess that was the defining moment for me when I fell in love with the sport. I, 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 I would say that the highlight of my week every single week was when I would go to Inca Hoots to play on Sunday night, uh, especially when the Chargers were losing and I just didn't have anything <laughs> to look forward to. Um, so that was just, I, I think, and, and also the special combination of what they had going on at Inca Hoots, as Joe mentioned, the $2, you call it, you know, the, the sort of the social environment, the bar environment, um, Sunday evening. I mean, what else are you going to do on a Sunday night and, and going there and playing with four other players and doing a mini tournament every single Sunday night where the winning team would win, you know, the entire pot of money. Uh, was just an awesome experience. It was something that we would look forward to every single week. I mean, that's that's the one. Th Come Monday, I was already pre preparing for Sunday. I was already looking forward to it. So that was that was the, the turning point. For me. That was when I fell in love with the sport for me. Come Monday, I was already prepared for Sunday. What a very search for already thing to say. <laughs> uh, Kelly. Yeah, I mean, I think that those early days were definitely something that helped develop who we were as players. Um, and I think sometimes I wish I could go back to those days because they were easier days. They were days where all we thought about were the friendships we made, the connections we made, the game that was being played. Um, and it wasn't about the politics quite so much. And for people who know me, as of late, there's a lot of politics that are involved in dodgeball. And I feel like I kind of reminisce about those days because they were much easier. It's like when you reminisce about being in fourth grade, you know, it was just an easier time. And I think that in dodgeball, back then, it was just an easier time. And uh, it's not that it's better or worse. It's just that it's different. And we have to kind of adapt to what we have now and kind of appreciate the small moments that we have and appreciate where we came from in those moments. So maybe it wasn't a specific moment for you. It was just a series of moments back when it was simpler that you yeah. fell, started to fall in love with it. Uh, how about you, Mark? Do you have a specific moment when you first fell in love with the game? I actually have three that all kind of coalesce into one that's kind of cemented my love for it. So um, for those who don't know, like I actually grew up overseas in the Middle East. Oh, yeah. And then that. came back to America for college. <laughs> so... In elementary, uh, it was kind of a big thing that when you get to fifth grade during recess, 
you got to play dodgeball. And it was a different form of dodgeball because it was called nation ball. And it was one ball and it was classroom versus classroom. And it was 16 inch uh, <laughs> hard rubber ball. Yes. So if you imagine like fifth graders playing 16 inch dodgeball, it was hilarious because it was like throwing a ball at Muppets. Um, so that was like the first time where I was like, oh, wow, like I love this and I'm really good at it. The second moment was, uh, you know, in, in middle school, I wrestled um, for middle school JV and varsity. I wrestled varsity while I was in middle school still. And our off season, we played dodgeball, which was even more fun on the wrestling mats because it was no shoes. You just throw yourself throw yourself all willy-nilly. And so that was like off-season always meant like, okay, no more two-a-days. We can just have some fun. And this was something that became super fun. And then the third time was we had moved to Kuwait, and it was my senior year, and we had no sting balls for some reason. Like I never thought I would see those balls again. And I remember the first time uh, – having a needle and deflating it and realizing that I could pinch one of these, <laughs> not knowing that that's what a pinch was at the time, but realizing that if I just roll my fingers around this, I could use it like a slingshot <laughs> and hit people. And I was like, okay, I love dodgeball. I have to find a way to play. So when I moved back to the United States and I you know, moved to San Diego, um, that's when I was working at Bennigan's and heard about in cahoots. And That's I was like, all jealous. good God, I have to get there. <laughs> and I uh, unfortunately never got to, That's uh, like one of the biggest regrets of my life is not being able to play in cahoots. So it was kind of those three moments that said like, it was something that I needed to do. So when I finished college in Los Angeles, and at the time, there was, a, there was a hiring freeze in the film industry because of the writer's strike. Uh, I w you, know, you could only send so many resumes a day. And I remember just trying to figure out like, what to do with myself as I was unemployed. And I was like, dodgeball, and found out that there was a league two blocks from my house. And was that... That was WDS's Sunday Open Gyms where they had nice. pinch 8.5. I was going to ask if that was World Dodgeball Society, or I was going to ask if it was Lads at the time. but It was, it was LA Dodgeball Society nice. at the time. Awesome. Um, it seems like you were like, just predestined for Dodgeball, man. Uh, all those little like, random checkpoints in life. But um, thinking 2009 and previous, what was, um, Serge, if you can we'll start with you, what was your the favorite tournament that you participated during that era? Before two thousand and nine, uh, including I, so I guess before two thousand ten. So include two thousand nine. Um, I would say the first year I played at the NDL, but with Rise, which was two thousand and seven. We didn't win that year, but it was the first year where we felt like 
you know, we had a real good team chemistry. We had been practicing all year, be prepping for the tournament. And we even went out and got ourselves some pretty nifty jerseys. Um, and we made it all the way through the tournament and ended up getting second place, losing to this really good team from Alaska. Uh, they had this guy who was notorious for throwing so hard. I don't know. If it was well, this they were all minor league pitchers, no? I think they were all minor league pitchers. But there was one guy in particular who they would grab the oh, entire monster. Where, where were they from? Ohio State. No, 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 no. I'm thinking of the Alaska guys. Yeah. The pitcher from Ohio State played on Alaska. Oh, ah, that explains okay. a lot. Yeah, he, he just – he threw fire, especially with the stingers. Um, <laughs> was it, wasn't he the guy that, that knocked out Justin or no? <laughs> yeah, he knocked out everyone that year. <laughs> <laughs> I remember telling everyone on my team, look, this guy's a pitcher. He's going to throw out your knees. So all you have to do is jump and do the splits. And everyone would look at me with <laughs> the fear of God in their eyes. Like, yeah. no, there's no way I'm going to do that. Even though I know I have to do that, I'm not going to do that just because in the event he goes a little high, then you're going to regret that move. Oh, yeah. Um, but, but it was really cool because we made it really far through the tournament. And even though we didn't end up winning, it was a team that um, really gave us a run for our money and had you know these, these, these incredible throwers on their squad. And so – it gave us an idea of what we had to do to come back the following year and win the tournament. So this was uh, the first 2000. DWC, 2007? No, no, it was my third DW, my third DWC. Uh, 2005, I went uh, with a team called SD Regulators. 2006, it was 619. And then 2007 was the first year Rise was formed and we got second place losing to this Alaska team. But that was that was your, your favorite? That was, that was my favorite tournament, yeah. Gotcha. So, uh, Spirit, I just, let me just ask you a question. What was so the following year in 2008? What team changes did you make in order to win your first um, NDL national championship? Um, well, Joe, I mean, you can answer this question. Would you like to? Can I bounce it back to you? Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, I would love to. I, I, I'll chime in here. Sure. So, ironically, I played. I played AGP, right? Everyone know. And we got, uh, I think we believe we got fourth place. But uh, Jim and Anthony were a big proponent of um, really um, telling uh, Rise, to, hey, we should pick up this guy. His name is Joe. A.K.A. Uh, Hotchkiss? Hotchkiss wasn't uh, involved at that point, but um, it, was, it was pretty much in the making of Hotchkiss. Um, but we'll just call it as Joe at this point. Um, but no, I, I had the opportunity to join Rise in 2008, and I think, in all fairness, Serge, I think, I think the the team Rise itself really got its true identity in 2008 when you guys already lost in 2007, and it was like, what do we do to never feel that again? And not that I was the, the, the person who did that, who joined, but I think it was the, the, the mechanism that made you guys as Rise train every single week, right? I mean, if I, if I remember, it was, it was every single week you guys trained after losing in 2007, and I just happened to be part of that. I, yeah, I think, I think um, a, key, a key thing here is that the guy that we had taken 
before Joe, his name was, uh, his nickname was Freaky Jason. He uh, had moved away um, from San Diego. And so he hadn't been playing dodgeball for like over a year when we gave him a call and said, hey, can you come to the Nationals with us and play? And, and when Joe came on, we truly had a squad of six players all stationed in San Diego, all practicing every single week. So, yes, I, I would agree with that. That was a, a major turning point. And I really think that was the turning point in the team where it was like, you know what, we're no longer just a Sunday team. We're a dodgeball team where we took everything very serious, where every tournament we played in, it was the true rise experience. Like we didn't smile in pictures. <laughs> um, it was just, it was the true brutality of, of rise. That's when the brand started to, to show itself. Yeah, that's probably right. Nice. So I guess would 2008 DWC be your favorite tournament, Joe, or do you have a, a different one? No, it was my favorite because we had the opportunity to play Alaska, but they lost because um, their pitcher from Ohio State actually sat out all of um, round robin and – um, unfortunately, SoCal Connect actually beat them before they could get to rise in the championship game. And we played uh, AAA where, Serge, if you remember, uh, against AAA, the entire crowd was chanting AAA. Yeah. And we still overcame the obstacle of everyone hating rise. And I think that's where everyone started to hate rise do you do you recall that yeah that was uh that was my first experience with sort of like the um people the, cheering you the, yeah like the mob like pitchfork experience <laughs> <laughs> and and having to learn how to kind of just you know block all of that out it's taking a stride yeah i, but think, I think it really I think, all i think it really all started in 2007 when rise got beat against uh that ohio team or the alaska team uh -huh. and we truly got serious like listen this is if we're going to play dodgeball we're going to play dodgeball and we're going to play it to the best of our ability and this is how we're going to play it and i think everyone bought in on that uh that experience and i think that's what truly made um rise become who um they were in the early stages yeah, I think I think 2007 gave us the idea. Okay, you know we could we could actually win this thing, and then 2008 we went back and got serious about it. So I would agree with that. Makes sense uh, from my perspective as well. Just seeing you guys coming back in full force, uh, 2008, 2009. I wasn't there, but I heard about it. Um, how about you, Kelly? What was your favorite tournament that you participated in between 2005, 2009 timeframe? Um, it was probably my very first NDL. Uh, getting the opportunity to play on a competitive level that I hadn't experienced before and the opportunity to play with Stingers, which I still love, <laughs> but was I never it, Was it a co Yeah. Okay. But, I would uh, get crucified for co-ed Stingers right now. <laughs> yeah. I would love it. You know, you know, shit happens. And for me, Singers was 
an interesting opportunity to feel like I was more equal on the court. Because you have that softball experience to draw from. Yeah. Yeah. More offensive. Very cool. Uh, how about you, Mark? What was your favorite tournament pre? Pre-2009, um, it was a LADS tournament, and it was the, they called it the California State Dodgeball Championship, and it was at the Ricardo Montalban Theater deep in the middle of Hollywood. So it was an old historical theater. It was, it was also Nike's studio headquarters. Um, so I remember we had a couple of LA teams. We had a team from Temecula and we had a team from San Jose. And that was the first time I ever met Kenny Cox. And this was still, it was 8.5. It was pinch. The court was on the actual stage and they put up a net from the top to the bottom of the front of the stage. So you played on the stage and then there was uh, a bird's eye camera and side cameras and it was projected to the side of the theaters and so everybody got to sit in the regular theater seating stare at the people playing dodgeball or they could look at the tvs see the bird's eye view and it was there was a couple kegs there was you know like 80 pizzas and it was just pinch dodgeball on the stage it was a pretty pretty short court and um i just remember seeing the first time Kenny throw uh, I just remember Michael Costanza walking off the court saying nope 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 I want nothing po- I want nope. no part of that and uh, Kenny actually blew out his knee like two oh, through two throws later and uh, my team which was myself Andy Luster uh, Eric Auday Don Ackerman and um I feel like I'm missing one more. It might be Harrison Randall. Uh, we won that championship, which allowed us to go to Nike, and we got to custom make shoes as our reward. I remember that being a really awesome appeal to the those tournaments. Wait, what year was this? So 2009. Okay, so I played in 2008, and that's when I realized uh, alcohol and dodgeball tournaments never again. What? It was awesome. Not for me. Uh <laughs> I almost blew out my knee because uh, I jumped way too high and far and brain. Actually, not- you know what? You might be right. It might have been 2008. It might have been October 2008. Sounds about right. Um, I don't remember Kenny Cox, though. Because he, I, I mean, he came for a hot minute before he blew out his knee and had to leave. Could be why. I remember the kegs, I remember the pizza, I remember the uh, the allure of designing your own Nike-based shoe, and I just remember yeah. like, you know what, I'm not going to drink play dodgeball ever again, because I almost tore everything in my knee. I had one of my teammates, Andy Luster, was just blackout drunk, and I just remember saying, sit in the corner and protect yourself, we'll take the rest from here. <laughs> we got this. Awesome. Um, Joe, I'm going to rapid fire these questions with you because these are pretty much uh, aimed right at you. So uh, we'll start with... uh, Oh, great. We'll start with Billy (laughs) Schmidt. (laughs) I'm actually glad he asked this one because I've I've always wondered myself, but uh, can you explain the origins of Hotchkiss? Yeah, I'll I'll make it quick and and to the point. Um, All of my uh, nicknames, I've nicknamed myself. So I'll go ahead and say that at first. 
You okay. don't get to do that. Yeah, it's just breaking oh. the rules, man. But yeah, that's, that's a foul. But that's why Billy asked this question. Um, so I'll answer it truthfully because I'm this this entire podcast was was very truthful. And um, so Hotchis came from uh, in 2012, my last year on Rise. I actually hurt my rotator cuff, and uh, my minor in college was Native American history. And I, I'm sure Serge has, has posted many articles about the Native American, <laughs> Native American Indian Wars. And they used the Hotchkiss Cannon as um, a way to eliminate the Native American Indians. And uh, so what I was really trying to say is I had, um, I was very, uh, my expertise was in stingers and I threw those balls very fast. Um, and at one year I hurt my shoulder and came back and played on a different team. And that's why I called it the Hotchkiss because at one point the Hotchkiss cannon was uh, the ultimate uh, of all wars and uh, and it went away. Yeah. So I'll leave it at that. Wait, I, I posted an article about the Hotchkiss being used in, in, in the Great War. And, and but Native American wars at the Battle of Little Bighorn was the was the one I was um, expressing. So you were oh, okay. celebrating I, slaughtering I people. I thought it was used during World War One, and it got it got stuck in the water. <laughs> no, I mean, no, I no. Mean, okay. No, oh, but so and we'll move on to Big Sexy. Uh, Big Sexy is exclusively for Sin City Dodgeball. Um, I thought it was a great way to uh, as an icebreaker. <laughs> to do the rock, paper, scissors for every single Sin City um, uh, competition for each round. Um, and it was, uh, it was uh, I guess, accepted because I was the co-MVP uh, that year for Sin City. The first year I was uh, MVP uh, with the name Big Sexy. I would say my name is Joe, uh, but most people call me Big Sexy, and we would do the rock, paper, scissors, and I got to laugh every single time. Were you a... Uh were you ever big sexy during the NDL pre? No, never. So, uh, huh. so a little caveat to that: um, the movie Blue Crush, which I'm I'm embarrassed to even uh, say the the movie Blue Crush. Uh, there's a guy there who is a linebacker for the. Uh, I'm not really sure who it is. He says, "My name is Leslie, but everyone calls me Big Sexy, and that's where I got the line from, oh, and that's where I got the name from." Uh, for some reason, I thought you were just always big sexy. Maybe that's just like the fact that, you know, uh, there's been a whole slew of eight years of dodgeball since 2010 that it just well, you know, eventually I'm sticks. very tall and chiseled, and people can call me big sexy. I mean, maybe I just thought of that on my own. Like, I, I, I know his name is Joe, but I'm just, he's big sexy forever. Um, you know, yeah. For most people who know me, I'm very quiet during tournaments. So I'm very hyper focused, if, if, if anyone knows that. Uh, I don't say much during tournaments. I don't speak to many people. I actually look the other way when people look at me only because I'm so focused on the dodgeball tournament. But, uh, you know, you come to a Sunday practice and I can't keep my mouth shut. So uh, I'm, I'm sure Serge can attest to that. Um, I, I try to get the best out of every single player each week that I, I play Sunday dodgeball. If that uh, makes it um, so that people throw up my face, so be it. Very true. I think that silence and that concentration just adds to the the big sexiness there. Yeah. 
So the other one, yeah. the closer, uh, where'd that the come closer from? Closer actually came from Sunday Dodgeball. Um, you know, uh, for some reason, I like to talk a lot of trash during Sunday Dodgeball. And um, a lot of people like to get me out first. So I'm the first one out every single time we play. And uh, so when I'm on the sideline doing the 10 count, I say, hey, a catch brings the closer in. And uh, it's only because uh, there's always a catch at the end of the game. And uh, I come in, whether I win or not, uh, i always a big proponent of on the closer like Mariano Rivera. Because I, I, I end the game. Do, do you, unless it's against the Red Sox. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. All right, let's uh, let's continue this rapid fire uh, from Billy again. He asks, "How high is your vertical jump?" So uh, in high school, it was twenty-seven and a half inches. Um, I was also one hundred and seventy-five pounds. I'm currently at two forty-five. Um, I feel like I can still grab the rim, so I'm at twenty-four inches at like a minimum base. So you can you can push off that big sexiness and get it airborne. Oh yeah, it's the true sexiness gets it up twenty four inches. That's fantastic. Um, how many pull ups can you do? Well, I uh, I challenged everyone to at least ten push ups or pull ups. Um, unfortunately, I was unable to accommodate their their request because um, they asked me at the end of a tournament when I had thrown out my arm. I was like, you know, I can't do it, but uh, We'll do it at a later date, and it has yet to be done after eight years. So I guess this could potentially answer the next question, and who uh, who could do more in the panel? Serge thinks it's him. I wouldn't. I mean, Serge probably does the most cardio. I mean, I can see him still st- sitting in his chair. He looks oh. like he does the most the most cardio. I I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't argue that point um, unless he couldn't get at least to five, and then I would question it. I think Mark's pointing to himself. I'll take Serge on that. Ooh. <laughs> As he just scampers off. Oh, he's gonna he's not doing it. Yeah, I am. No, he's he's busting out this pull up rack. Okay, dead hang though. None of this crossfit rocking BS. Yeah. Dead hang, fully extended. Never mind, I can't find my pull up rack. Oh, that's yeah, I'm weird. at the office right now. I don't have a <laughs> yeah. pull up bar here. <laughs> yeah. Uh so the uh the baby the baby uh rack area. Okay. Hey, check. Yeah, we'll have to do the competition. To be continued. Day, Mark. Yep. All right, you're on. Okay. Kelly, Kelly's part of this too. Yeah, I, honestly, I think my money's on Kelly. She probably do it. Um, Brett Baxter asked, um, "How do you handle the pressure of being the star of stars on Echo?" Well, you know, I do it one step at a time, like anyone else does. <laughs> star of you know, stars, though. What's that? Star of stars, though. Let's, I mean, it's enough to be a star, but the star of all stars. But, uh, but we, everyone knows on the Team Echo, and I'm, I'm being a, the most genuine I can be. On the Team Echo, I am the star of stars on Team Echo. I've, I've been doing it the longest. I've been a star for the longest. But in all essence, uh, I'm just a team player. I, I'm a role player on the team. And whatever team I play for, I try to be a star in my own role. So Brett's trying to be funny. At the same time, uh, we all know what my role is. I, I, I tell the jokes. I get everyone loose before the game. And, uh, and then we have what we have. And like this last pass, uh, Elite, uh, we won both, uh, both co-ed nationals. And I, I claim it all on the jokes 
of the star of the show. Keep the team light, keep them happy, keep them motivated. Kind of like the heart and soul of the team. When I can do it. Awesome. Um, Going back to Billy real quick. This is for you, Serge. Uh, Why do you play with your pockets out? And do you? Uh, I just do that because uh, I know, you know, uh, so the serious, the serious response is because when I retape, I end up uh, leaving a piece of the tape inside my pocket. And so when I pull it out, it just kind of sticks to my fingers and it comes out. But now I do it sometimes intentionally because it bugs Casey Moses so much. It's going to bother me now, now that I know what to look for. So it's a psychological effect now. It is. Well played. Um, based on what we've talked about, I feel like we don't need to elaborate on this one. Um, but Felix Peroni asked a really good question, and that is, um, and we can we can keep this with you, Serge. Uh, you can kick this one off, and that is, do you miss the NDL days? Be honest. Think past any personal feelings toward personnel. I'm trying to read the question. Where is it, Steve? It's, uh, do you miss the NDL days? Okay. And then parentheses, uh, he says, be honest, think past any personal feelings toward personnel. So I guess objectively no, maybe? No, the, the answer is no. Um, we have something that's significantly better. The product is significantly better. Uh, what Mark and everyone else at the Elite has been able to do is has just been uh, immensely better than what the NDL had. Granted, you know, the NDL was really good for its time. Uh, but like with you know everything else, there's evolution and there's change and there's progress. And I think where we are now is just light years beyond where we were then. And so, to that extent, um, you know, it, as such, I would say that no, I don't. I don't really miss the NDL days because it was essentially the elite of the old. It was you know it was what we have now, but in, in sort of you know, in, in, in a time past. And, and so it was good for, for that time, but now we have something that's significantly better and I don't really miss it at all. Nice. How about you, Joe? You know, I couldn't agree more with what Serge said. You know, at the time, it was the greatest thing that, uh, that we had available. But currently, um, if I had to, to compare the two, uh, they wouldn't be comparable. It would be more of apples and oranges um, so it wouldn't be a fair assessment. I think what we have now is uh, is what we need to have uh, moving forward. Gotcha. Kelly, how about you? Do you miss the NDL days? No. No, absolutely not. Um, I think that we've made big strides in women's dodgeball moving forward, and we're only going to make bigger strides from here on out. Dang. Uh, Mark, do you miss the NDL days? <laughs> Can I be controversial? Oh boy. Do it. I miss not having the responsibility. That's not mm. controversial. Like I said earlier, like I enjoyed being the trash talking <laughs> who got to go eat dinner with its like I used to be able to eat dinner with my team. I used to be able to go drink and use the hot tub after I used to be able to like go out and socialize. Whereas now I'm either tabulating scores, cleaning up everybody's messes, uh, you know, doing things so that the next day runs smooth. So like, do I miss those days in terms of like 
what it looked like, what it played like, and what it was. Again, sorry, Steve. Absolutely not. But do I miss no responsibility? Absolutely. So it was like a twofold answer from you. Um, yeah. And that, I don't think that's controversial at all. I, I think that's more than fair. I mean, um, not that this in any way compares to what you go through, and I've, I've talked about this a few times, but you just even as like a league owner, I could never fully appreciate playing Wednesday nights in my league because I always had to worry about making sure things weren't ran well and, and uh, my name, my mine was never fully in it so just on like on a maybe five percent scale out of a hundred I, I totally get what you mean yeah so, you can't uh, get a hundred percent in a tournament and 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 I, I i feel like it's it's cost me on a number of ways you know like you know before doom there was syndicate and and you know i could never a hundred percent be on the court and that came to the detriment of my team. And, you know, like I, I don't fault them for dropping me. Um, and then creating the powerhouse that is Doom. Um, and then, you know, I've gone through multiple iterations of Riot. And, you know, that's been something that's been brought up every year and every tournament of like, how can you be focused here instead of thinking about like, Oh, there's a fight over on court three. You've got to go put that fire out. Yeah. Um, this year's been better. Uh, you know, the, the one thing that's nice is I have someone like Jake who will come and, you know, run that tournament for me. But uh, I'll be honest, I don't think I have that anymore. Yeah. I mean, After nationals, I don't think he'll ever do that for me again. Well, hopefully some time has passed. I mean, um, that was a week ago when the uh, when we recorded that conversation. By the time this airs, it'll be a week after the fact, so maybe. But um, yeah, it's. Uh, I think it's. A, I think honestly, the way I'm reading the tea leaves right now and conversations that have been had, preliminary conversations. It's. I wouldn't blame them. Yeah, it, it's a lot. Um, I'm curious to see what the tone will be after people have actually had a chance to listen to the two and a half hours, if they did. But um, I'm curious to see how it's going to play out. Um, I've had I've had I've had one message. Uh, sorry, two messages since the podcast came out. Oh boy, let's talk about those offline. I'm, I'm curious. Um, this question, maybe you guys can can chime in, but I'm going to go ahead and just kind of take the helm. Um, this is from Rob Hometown. So speaking of OGs. Um, Definitely need to have him on one of these at some point or just reach out to some of the other regions that are out there. But he asks, or he actually states, all of you are in a category of OGs. Some are legends and have their fingerprint on the growth of the sport. Appreciate all you've done and currently do. Where are the future teams? Seems that all the champs are all in that OG category. When will need, when will a new team top and when, or if they do, what will it take? What do Rise, Beavers, Doom, etc. have that others don't other than experience? Uh, was it your early start in former league's tourneys that gave you a leg up? Your confidence and reputation. I see new teams being formed, experienced players forming new teams. But when will we see a new team on top, and what will it take? Cheers! And um, off the top to the um, that was probably one of the biggest um, changes uh, in terms of like UDC toppling Doom. Um, but he he, he mentions um, 
experience, um, early starts. Uh, you know, we talk about like the good old glory days that that gave us that confidence and reputation. But what I think the biggest thing is just consistency and playing with the same roster as much as you can, practicing. I don't feel like it's a something that's just beholden to the OGs, if that makes sense. Well, you're right. And so, like, I, I, I like what's funny is like I've been waiting for this forever. Is because there's a certain section or a certain organization, if you will, that has been saying like there's been no growth. You know, it's just the same people. And look at how many people have like the growth of elite every year. That's not the same people coming and magically forming new teams. No, we have new teams coming in. You know, our very first elite, we had eight teams. And now we have, we've had as many as 23 in the West this year. Um, and that's, that's from uh, UDC, you know, kids saying, oh, I see these West Coast teams. I want to take it to the next level. And that's coming from rec, rec leagues of those kids coming in and taking it to the next level. And in terms of growth, it's already there. Like if you're not seeing it, you're being completely blind to what's going on. Because right now you have 32 college teams. When you go to college, you look for something that, that you can, like a, a group that you can join. So when you're a freshman looking for something that's right for you and you're not, a, you know, you weren't recruited for something and you say, dodgeball seems fun, what ends up happening is you have these freshmen become sophomores, become juniors, become seniors. And when they finish their senior year of playing the NCDA, you know what they do? They look to the, they look to elite and they come play. Look at just the North. And we've had, uh, you know, Dynasty was Grand, Grand Valley. And also from Grand Valley was, is Kraken. Because Dynasty is the second generation coming out of Grand Valley. Kraken's the first generation. Wow. And then you think about, like, Ohio State. Oh, look, that's, that's, you got Gamecocks coming out of, uh, you know, Kent State. And you have uh, Corruption coming out of DePaul. We have so many teams. Like, it, it, what's funny is the North, I feel, is growing by 30% every year because every year you have seniors graduating and needing to fill this hole in their life post-college dodgeball. And it's bananas when people say, oh, who's the next team? They've been right in front of your face. It's just about who's the next champion that's dependent on people putting in the effort and the work and that's what makes a difference doom and rise put in more effort than anybody else and for the people who say oh no one's ever going to beat them well put in the work and then you have a chance but until then you need to shut up because until you put in the work, you can't expect to win. No one wins in a sport by just showing up. You have to put in the work. You have to practice. You have to build team chemistry. But going back, like, um, we have college. 
and and then the East Coast. The East Coast has grown immensely. And for someone like Rob, who's who's in the East Coast, you know, he's been he's only seen, you know, when he he has his Empire team. Typically, he had only seen uh, you know Davis and Team Awesome. But all of a sudden, we have teams coming out of Maryland like Clutch Mode. We have Mount Olympus coming from UDC. We have Space Cadets coming from Rec Leagues. We have all these teams coming out of the woodwork. It's about those teams putting in the work to unseat the champions. So we've actually seen exponential growth. We have over 104 unique teams between men or open and women's when we started from eight in 2011. Wow. So like when, when I see that question, I go, that's because your eyes are not open. And I love, I love Rob to death, but the new teams are already there. We have UDC teams, you know, that's something that like elite has spent a lot of time working and making sure like when we go there, when I go there, when Glenn goes there, when Vince goes there, we talk about and we reach out to those teams like Toon Squad and Stingers and and Havoc. Look at all the guys who came out in Nationals this year. Um, Kyle, uh, he played on the um, uh, GOAT this year. Kyle Sander? That kid, right? was an absolute monster came out of nowhere and that's because there was one thing that elite does better than anyone else is we try to bring people in with inclusiveness and bringing in the the you know the the family and so we have and to the to there's a great example of they were trampoline only and we'd show up we'd smash them in the face and say if you really want to get better you come out to our Wednesdays and start playing some real dodgeball. And they played for the last two years now, and look at them. They're at the top of the world in trampoline dodgeball. And they're making a a splash, too, or or a scene or an impact uh, on on the court. More or less, more or less. The way I read read this question was not so much about where is the growth of the organization. I think that kind of speaks for itself. The way I read it was Rob asking about when are we going to see a new champion? When are we going to see more? When are we going to see different teams at the top? But and that's I, when people put in the work. And that's the thing. Yeah. It's like you guys take it seriously as, as, as Rise. And Doom takes it seriously. But it's the other. Like you have a, what, a Sunday practice every, every, every Sunday afternoon, right? Yeah, we have a practice in San Diego every, for four and a half hours. It, four and a half hours of practice, all right? I, that I right there is the what? They say you need 30 minutes of exercise a week. You're doing four days worth of exercise as a team together. There's not another team in America that is putting in that work. So your championship is 100% justified. I think I think in addition to putting in, putting in the work um, – we have a lot of new talent that you've already spoke of. You know that kid on that kid on Goat. Yeah, um, Kyle Sanders. Kyle phenomenal. Sanders, phenomenal, phenomenal player. Um, you know there are some new Bush Bush players that are phenomenal as well. Um, Tuda, and so I think you know with time, I think it is in addition to hard work. It's a question of time and experience, and 
it's bound to happen. It's it's going to happen. You know, these these kids oh, yeah. are hungry. These newer teams are hungry. They're they're watching film, and I feel like at least at least from what I see, you know, there are a lot of people who are taking the sport a lot more serious. And so I wouldn't be surprised if we see things get shaken up in the, in the near future. It can't. It can't. The status quo can't stay. People, I think people are hungry. People want a change. I think we started to see that that shakeup already uh, at nationals. As you said, I mean, space cadets taking fourth, uh, outsiders coming out of the south and representing that region, taking I believe seventh. And um, I'm wondering if maybe Rob meant like, who do we think are the rising stars? Maybe, uh, maybe it's a bit, bit more inferred. Yeah. But um, I, I agree with Mark. I think the champions that he's speaking of, they're they're there already. It's just a matter of time. Yeah, I mean, we're going to try to prevent that as much as possible. <laughs> oh, yeah, I mean, definitely don't just give it to them. <laughs> oh, yeah, I, I, I love to keep the youngins down and put them in their place. Yeah. <laughs> it's like I would be more than happy to continue that that streak. Yeah. Well, speaking of um, OGs, team stacking up, um, Alan Thomas asks, I think this is a hilarious but awesome question, that is, is dodgeball comparable across generations? How do teams now stack up? Would Doom in its current form have been as dominant as they are now in that area? Era, um, I say it would be a slaughter. Doom would kill anybody if, back then. If Doom or Rise played a version of themselves in like 2008, it would be an absolute slaughter. Like, and that's something that we could talk about in another podcast. There was an evolution in 2011 with the level of play. And, and an evolution in 2014, which took another level. Um, what we were doing back in 2010 and, and, and before that was near Neanderthal level. We would get smoked. And I'm talking the difference between 10 to 15 miles per hour throws. Because the, the, the level of, like, if – and I feel like nobody really looks at this. Go back and look at old videos, and you would look at those throws and say, oh, my God, I would gobble that up. Oh, that's not hard at all. That had no movement. That was straight down the pipe. You know, there was no grip on that ball. Uh, <laughs> it's it's gross. That's why I say it's like a, it's a hilarious question because and me and Serge have exchange footage in the past like dude remember when we thought we were like hot back in 2006 look at look at us then look at that show of a team trying to play dodgeball it's just like you want a good case in point hot sauce taking second in 2010 that team would get smoked by we would we would probably be tied for last place at a regional easily yep that team had no business being where it was if you were talking about it in terms of today. Yeah, I, I, I no agree. No business. I agree. Joe, you've uh, been yeah, pretty silent. Of course you agree because we beat you. <laughs> you've been pretty silent, Joe. What are your thoughts? Um, yeah, so, you know, when I, when I look back at it, right, and we're talking about competitiveness and – and across the generations, uh, you know, beginning back in 2007 and, and moving forward and what, what it takes for teams to get to the pinnacle of dodgeball, whether it's the championship of UDC or Elite or, or, or whatever 
organization you're you're with. Um, I think it all really starts from what uh, Rise did back in the day. And, and as much as I, uh, not that I dislike talking about it, but uh, it's the truth of the matter. Um, they really started what it takes to be a champion in dodgeball. Uh, you look back at what we did and how we started what we started um, back in the day, and we won a bunch of championships, but more so uh, what it took to be a champion. You know, uh, it was everyday practices. It was, you know, uh, there was – we. It, it's hard to talk about because I'm, I'm not part of the team anymore, but, you know, they started uh, even an offensive position where they dominated everything in dodgeball. And, and I think it was the, the turning point of what competitive dodgeball was all about. Um, and I think what it has come to today, what it takes to be a champion um, of dodgeball in, in, in any organization. You know, it takes hours of, of um, practice. You know, people request all the time, like, you know, oh, I'm trying to, you know, get grip strength. I'm, you know, what can I do? You know what? play more dodgeball. That's what it takes to get grip strength. At the end of the day, that's what it takes to get grip strength. If you want to throw harder, practice more. You know, and, and that's what we did from the origin of, of, of Rise um, Dodgeball. And that's what it was all about. And as much as it was for me to lead that team, um, they still perfect that, I think, um, the best of any team who plays today. Uh, I think Doom has the most athletic talent of any team out there. Um, and they probably have the most cohesive unit because they played together for so long. But, um, you know, it all depends on how you formulate that uh, end result of what do you want at the end of the day and what works best for your team. But I think Rise really started what it really takes to be a champion of any dodgeball organization. And I think that really helped boost uh, the competitiveness. Um, and I was part of that, and I ended with it, and I still love those guys that are on that team, or at least most of them. But uh, it is what it is, and I still respect them. Um, but, you know, I, I think that is a true, I think that's a true definition or at least the moving point of what dodgeball is today from that team itself. I think a lot of teams originated from what uh, they watched in video or real life, um, what Rise did in the beginning. So I agree. I, and I think if I could pinpoint it to like what, is the distinctive difference between teams back then in previous generations versus teams now is it's teams have become more deliberate in what they do back then. Let's just round up five or six guys that can potentially throw hard, maybe catch and just go at it. Now it's, it's evolved into, Hey, if we give up all our balls, we're going to pay for it. If we play patiently and maybe throw two or maybe throw one at a time, we can um, kind of slow the game down. That just kind of started to, 
snowball into the strategies and the uh, the tactics that teams use now, plus throw in the fact that teams want to get better, they want to get stronger, they want to get faster. Um, there's just no comparison at all. And um, again, once I, I'll, I'll probably send Alan some some clips of you know us at our peak back in the day, and he'll just realize, yeah, I could probably take one other guy from Oregon and we would just slaughter everybody. And I feel like that's exactly how it would play out. A um, couple questions. I, I'm moving to the next part um, just because of, of time, but there is one more that I did want to kind of end this off of, and that is um, Chan, Chad Landrum's question, and that is pre-2009, so I guess including 2009, pre-2010, what was the best overall tournament to play in? Um, we'll start with you, Serge. I mean, I feel like I'm just kind of repeating myself here. Um, before before the elite uh, in the United States, the best tournament to play in was the NDL National Championship, the WDC, and that's because again it had the most amount of teams. It you know involved the highest amount of competition, and for its time, the highest level of professionalism. Um, of course, you know, we'll get into all of the bad parts about it, um, in the next podcast, but, uh, in terms of the good things, uh, I would say that those things I mentioned, um, would merit the NDL as the, as the best tournament to play in pre, pre elite, but I, I guess you could, you know, frame it as pre 2010 if you want. That's where it was at for you. Yeah. How about you, Joe? Um, yeah, I would, I would also say uh ndl my first true i would say serious competitive was um with hep uh in 2007 where i got to play with pion and uh, pion and uh Eric. but you would tell somebody at the time hey if you want to see dodgeball at its finest dwc ndl that's where you go uh, yeah to be all to be completely honest that was the best tournament available at that time Mark, how about you? No, yeah, I would say NDL or what was that uh, California State Championship? Gotcha. Kelly, um, pre-2010, what would you say was the best overall tournament to play in for you? Um, honestly, I would probably say some of the Arizona State games. You took my answer. Yeah, just because they included some of the women's tournaments. There was strictly women's divisions in there, and I don't know. I just had the most fun when we went over to Arizona. Yeah, so if I may, may inject my opinion, and I, I, I agree with you, Kelly, I think at the time the best tournament to play in um, – for, for many reasons, I'll try to sum them up as quickly as possible, it was the Grand Canyon State Games because you got to do it twice per year. We weren't playing for money. We were playing for bragging rights. We were playing, playing for pride. And we had such a great pool from Arizona teams already, California and San Diego. And I feel like we really sharpened our claws against you guys. And um, there's something just very fierce about that competition that just kept getting better and better up until 2010. Um that you just wouldn't get with the NDL because sometimes you get pulled with crappy teams. Sometimes you get pulled with teams that you already play with all the time. So yes, we're coming to this huge venue where there's 25, 30 teams, but that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to play all of them. You're also not going to play as many games as possible. And um, for me, I think Grand Canyon State Games is, if you had asked me, and it may sound biased, but that's where 
the proving ground for competitive teams and players would have been. Yeah. My longest friendships are from the Grand Canyon State games. I That's mean, it. That's that, it. That would, that would probably be the most valuable to me if I had to walk away from dodgeball today would be Grand Canyon State games. I would agree. I think I made more friends during Grand Canyon State games than I did during NDL. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like uh, there's there's that aspect as well, because um, we don't, you know, we try to kill each other and then go out to bars and, and have fun afterwards and socialize Bogies. and it was or Carlos Carlos O'Brien's or something like that. But yeah, it was Grand Canyon State games for me. Like that would be my call. But um, gonna have to possibly break this one up into into to pieces uh maybe at least part one on friday part two on wednesday see how it goes but um man that was fun um, we haven't even gotten to 2011 <laughs> yeah, we, 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 we scratched the surface yeah i was yeah. gonna say we haven't even gotten we haven't even gotten to like the meat <laughs> like the actual yeah, controversy the and What's yeah, that? when you get to the when you get to the backstabbing, the the, the hard forks and everything, oh, that's gonna be fun. Um, all right, well, um, I guess you know before we go on for another hour, we'll just kind of end it there. Well, that was still a lot of fun, and um, even though I didn't plan to have it be released in parts, um, gauging from the reaction I received from part one, it, it sounded like it was it was. It was well received, and so I'm already kind of relieved. Um, but I'm curious to see how this portion is going to go, and even more curious to see if people would like for this to continue. Um, I've mentioned previously in other closings that this is something I want to kind of maybe develop another series out of, because there's just like so much. There's so many more OGs out there, and people that have just as good, if not better, stories than than we do. And, and the story, again, is not beholden to the West. So if there are other regions out there, other individuals that I should be reaching out to, like Rob Hometown, like Felix Peroni, um, like, like Lucas, possibly, in the Northwest, uh, let me know. And if you're listening, I'm definitely going to reach out to you on my own anyway. So really hope that this helps portray dodgeball in a, in a different, refreshing, kind of fun light. And I really like what Joseph Coella's whole intent was behind this, and that's just kind of showing people where we came from and and maybe just bringing some gratitude to how far we've come and, and some new perspective on, on where we're going and um, what it's going to take to actually get there. So without uh, further ado, um, we'll record part three, um, you know, where we get into like 2012 to, to now, I guess, at a later time. But um, yeah, just let me know what you guys thought of part two, if we should continue, and um, we'll go from there. So have a great uh, rest of your week and a great weekend, and we'll see you next time. Missing. Yeah, I'm good. yeah that's us going to the bathroom. Gonna go into the beer. Like, I'm going to go. At this uh, point, my dog is dancing around next I'm going to go pee, to be I feel honest. like Serge is taking a couple bathroom breaks himself. I've seen him leave the chair a few times. Yeah, no, I, I just I just did mine. <laughs> I, I have been drinking a chilada this entire time. <laughs> oh, man, you, you sinner. All right, I'll be right back.